came in today and, and uh, should have received a little program that looks like this. We have to take a minute. Inside that program, there's a little card. It's a connection card. We have to take a minute to fill that out. And then at the end of our service this morning, we do a, an offering. And the only thing we ask of you is to drop that card in the basket and just let us know about your visit with us today. And, uh, and so we're just glad you came. And today's a special day, um, like Pastor Tom. I already mentioned um, we are baptizing today, and, and we don't do baptism every Sunday, and, uh, but we, we fill up the tank about once every two or three months. And uh, we let people know that this is happening. It's 18, I know 18 people getting baptized in, uh, today, and we already had five. Yeah, let's give it up. Go ahead. That's good. I already had five in the first service, and we have about 13 planned. However, um, at any point during the service today, you feel led, you know, maybe God is, uh, uh, you know, kind of tugging at your heart to, hey, you know, we need to do this too. You, you need to take that next step in believer's baptism. And, uh, and, and Tom will explain that a little bit more about what you can do about that after I'm done. But um, we have everything you need to get baptized. You have everything. Um, we've got a shirt for you. We've got a uh, spare clothes for you, towel, everything you need. And uh, so if you're on the fence and you've been thinking about it, praying about it, today can be your day. And, uh, and so you can join all of us here, the 18 that are getting baptized, you can join them and, uh, as well. And so, but we're, we're just glad that we're here to worship. And uh, today I'm kicking off a brand new message series called When Love Speaks. When Love Speaks. And of course, the greatest act of love is when Jesus was on the cross dying for our sins. And we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus as he spoke from the cross. And, uh, but before we do dive into uh, the story of Jesus, I, I, I do um, want to ask you a question in this room. How many of you would acknowledge uh, that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, you would acknowledge that men can be stupid. <laughs> All right? I see men's hands up, so it proves my point. Okay, we know. We know. We should just do some dumb stuff. And, um, and, and some of the things that we'll do as men, and that might be something fun, might be something, uh, you know, we're going to fit something. Um, we always do something stupid and we end up hurting ourselves or we say something stupid and we end up making a bad situation. Um, I, I've come across this list of some famous last word of a stupid man. <laughs> famous last words. Uh, maybe you knew a man who once said this. I've never tried this with a chainsaw before. But what could go wrong? <laughs> Last words. Stupid. <laughs> uh, another stupid guy one time asked a woman, so how long have you been pregnant? <laughs> and she wasn't pregnant. <laughs> that, that guy no longer remains. He's he, he been gone, all right? He's not here no more. <laughs> stupid guy. All right. Another stupid guy once said in famous last words, hey, I know that I'm not an electrician, but how hard could this be? 
stupid. If you ever known anybody who said this, they're dead. Honey, those jeans make you look fat. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's the most common phrase. You hear a stupid guy say this. Hey, 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 y'all. This is from the south, okay? Hey, 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 y'all. Watch this. <laughs> Game over, right? Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You're stupid. <laughs> stupid guy's last famous words. Well, I want to talk about the most important person that's ever lived, and he's nowhere close to stupid. He's the greatest man that's ever lived, and that's Jesus who died on the cross. And his statement that he made on the cross had profound implication to our lives, application to the way we live. And uh, we're going to be doing it for now in Easter. Each week, we're going to look at one of the statements that Jesus had to say. And uh, we're going to go into Good Friday. Even Good Friday will be one of the last statements of Jesus. And I invite you to be a part of it. Good Friday service on Friday, 7 o'clock. We'll have a service, one service here. And uh, it'll be a special service. I hope you make plans for that. And then Easter Sunday, we have three service, three service time for Easter Sunday. We'll have an 8 o'clock. We'll have the 9.30, and then we'll have an 11 o'clock service. So normally we have a 9.15, but for that Sunday, it'll be 9.30. And we'll have three service time, and uh, we're going to celebrate you know, the resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, but as we prepare our heart for Easter, I want to go through the cross and what Jesus had to say. And, uh, and today, I want to look at the word of assurance, the word of assurance. Each week, we'll look at a, I call it the word of trust or the word of victory or the word of humanity. Today, the word of assurance. A popular phrase, a popular phrase that we often hear, sometimes we hear on TV watching a basketball game or a football game or any sporting game, it's the, it's the phrase, man, they, that they saved it by the last second. It was saved by the bell. It was saved by the last minute. And, uh, and that's a popular phrase. You know, on my way to Florida in college, I was um, on my way to go back to college from Michigan. It was during the wintertime, and I was driving a 1981 Buick Regal, and this car drove like a tank. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you're, if you're under 30 years old, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But if you're over maybe 35, 40, you might remember those big old early 80s cars. And, and I had a nice, beautiful Buick Regal, and I was driving down to Florida, stopping Ohio to get gas, and I hit, when I pulled into the gas station parking lot, I hit a patch of black ice. Have, have y'all been there before? And it's just like, you have no control. And I'm going about 20, 25 miles per hour. I'm just drifting toward the, the glass entrance of the gas station. And I'm like, I can't stop. And I'm blowing my horn. There's people coming out. And I'm like blowing my horn and trying to get people out, roll down my window, you know, window. You know, just the old-fashioned window. Okay, I didn't have, you know, there was no button. So roll it, roll it down real fast. Just say, hey, get out of the way. I can't stop. And I'm getting closer and closer and closer. I said, oh, man, my tank of a car is just going to wreck this place. It's not going to be good. And I finally, at the last minute, at the last second, my car tires grabbed something, you know, I got some friction, and I was able to stop inches from going into the front door of the gas station. I was saved, literally saved by the last second. Well, I want to talk today 
at the most famous last second, last minute, saved by the bell salvation that's ever happened. And it's the story of the thief on the cross and we see the conversation. And I believe that this story has uh, an amazing impact for the way that we should live in our walk with Christ. In Luke chapter 23, this is where we pick the story up. In verse number 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insult at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. It's the word of assurance. And this is one of the most important uh, texts in the Bible that we can study that tells us the how, the when, the where, and the why of salvation. This, this story tells you and I how we can be certain of our salvation, that we can have the assurance that you're going to heaven when we die. It tells us what I must know in order to be saved. Powerful story to answer all of these questions. And what I want to do in this story is I don't want, I don't want to stand here and tell you all that you need to know about your salvation. What I want to do, because the thief of the cross illustrates it so well, is I want to let you know the minimum, the minimum that you must know to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. The minimum that what you need to know. What is the minimum? Well, there's two men on the cross, both criminals, both evil men. But we see two different responses. The one thief on the cross is hurling insult. The word insult in the word in the Greek language it's actually the word blasphemo, blasphemo. We get the word blasphemy from it. And so this thief on the cross was just hurling blasphemy to the Savior, Jesus Christ. But the other man, he turned to Jesus. He's no theologian. He doesn't know a whole lot. He didn't go to Sunday school when he was a little kid. He didn't go to vacation Bible school. He didn't know God's word. He didn't know much about the Bible. He didn't know much about God. He lived an entire life of crime. He, he, he about to be executed for the crime that he committed on the cross. He's on death row. But by the end of the story, this person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. A man who's on death row becomes reformed on the cross. And there are four things that he knew. There were four things that he got, that he understood that he must knew about salvation in Jesus Christ. And it's the four things that you and I this morning, we've got to know this. We've got to know these four things. And I want to see what the thief knew. Well, number one, in the story, he knew that he faced God after death. He knew that he would face God. The Bible says, you know, the, the, the criminal, he's insulting Jesus, but the other thief rebukes him. In verse number 40, he said, don't 
you fear God? Don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? He said, don't you realize the seriousness of the situation that we're in? We're second away from stepping from this life into eternity. We're, we're seconds away from facing an almighty God. Don't you fear God? And here's the problem. The reason why so many people are so casual about this, the reason why so many people go through life ignoring God, you know, going through life, you know, instead of living by God's plan, they start to live their own plan, why they love sin more than they love God, more than, a lot of people that don't care about God. The reason why that mindset's happening is because they believe that when they die, they die. Game's over, that's it. That there's, not, there's nothing else that happens after you die. And my friend, it's a fatal mistake. It's the biggest mistake that you'll ever make because death is not the end. Death is the beginning. You know, you only get 80 years on this planet, maybe 100 if you eat well and exercise well, right? But that's just a short time period compared to all of eternity because eternity is trillions and trillions and trillions of, of years, and that's just scraping the surface of it. Eternity is something we can't quite comprehend. And you will live in eternity forever because we were made to live forever. We will live somewhere in eternity with God or without God. And it's all based on a decision that you make here on earth. And so to say, you know, when you die, you die. And it's over. I might as well just live it up and do my own thing. And that's a fatal mistake. That's a horrible mistake. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. You don't want to be wrong for eternity. And the thief on the cross, he knew that we can face God. He knew that he had a certain appointment coming up. In fact, the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once. And after that, to face the judgment. We have a destiny in front of us, and that is death. We all face death, and it is happening. We have an appointment, and that's one appointment that we can't be late for. It's one appointment you're not going to be late for. It's one appointment that you can't cancel. It's one appointment you can't, you can't call death and say, hey, I need to reschedule my appointment. <laughs> you can't. The, the appointment to death was set before you were born, before God created you. He knew how many seconds you were going to live on this planet. He knows, and one day you're going to face death, and you're going to face God after you die. And last night, I was, you know, I had to just double-check my statistics. You know, statistics always changes, you know, and you got to check them out. And so last night, I just wanted to double-check what's the most current statistic. And it's still the same. One out of one dies. Life is inevitable. It's going to happen. And I know I'm going to die. And why would, why would you put it off? Why be a fool and say, man, I've got time? You know, why be a fool and say it's not going to happen? Nothing happened. Why live that way? Don't put it off. The thief on the cross, that's just what he knew. 
He knew that time was coming up and that he was going to face an almighty God. But here's the second thought. Here's the second thing that he knew, and it's so important for us, is that he knew that he had sinned against God. He knew that he sinned against God. He said in verse number 41, he's talking to the other thief. He's still having a conversation. Jesus in the middle, and he, he, you know, and the thief on the cross, he just kind of leans forward. He says, we are punished justly, for we are given what our deeds deserve. We're getting what we deserve. And, and this right here is a confession. He is making a confession. He said, man, we deserve to die. He's not hiding it. He's not making any excuses. He's owning it. Call a confession. And, and the, the Bible doesn't tell us all the sins of the thief. We don't know what he did. We don't know why he deserved to be executed on the cross. We know that he did something pretty bad. I mean, you don't just steal, go steal a candy bar and get thrown on the cross, okay? That's not what he did. I mean, he most likely killed somebody or did something that was very, you know, very wicked that deserved to be at this place. But we don't know what he did. We don't have his rap sheet. We don't have his uh, resume, you know. But at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Because James chapter 2, I don't have the first up here. If you want to write this down in your handout note. But James chapter 2, verse number 10. It said, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point of the law, the Bible said that he's guilty of breaking all of it. You only have to break one law to be a lawbreaker. Some people go around and think, man, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to go to heaven because my sins aren't as bad as somebody else. And I say, my friend, that's irrelevant. That is absolutely irrelevant. You only have to break one law to be a lawbreaker. You only have to lie one time to be a liar. You only have to commit one crime to be a criminal. You only have to commit one sin to be a sinner. And so the question is this. It's not how many sins you've done. The question is, have you ever committed one? Have you ever committed a sin? Because if you have, and you have, then we need a perfect Savior. In fact, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 it said, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you want to circle on your handout note, the two words, the word wages and the word gift. Wages and gift. They both have entirely different meaning. Wages are earned by your actions. A gift is undeserved. If I was your boss and, and I came to you at the end of the month and I handed you your paycheck and I said, hey, you're going to really like me today because I've got a gift for you. Here's your paycheck. And you're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> You think you're trying to be all nice and generous? 
No, man, I earn that paycheck. That's not a gift. I earn it. I work hard for it. That's my wage. You see, a wage are different than a gift. We have earned because of our sin. Doesn't matter if you commit one sin or a thousand sins. We have earned because of our sin a wage called the penalty of death. God it's a just God, it's a holy God. And he said that you do something wrong, somebody got to pay for it. And Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll take the punishment. I'll take the payment. I'll pay the fine. I'll take the rap. I'll do it. Somebody got to pay for all the things you've done wrong, either you or somebody else. So the Bible says we deserve to die, and that's the wages of sin. I have earned punishment for the things I've done wrong. But the Bible says the gift of God, and here's the good news, is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What, what, what a great gift. You see, this is a gift that's undeserved. It's unearned. We don't deserve this gift. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve a relationship with God. And none of us does. That's why this is a gift. It's a God given us his son Jesus. And the man on the cross, he recognized that he's a sinner and he deserved to die. He deserved the condition that he's in. He knew it. But I'll leave it to a third point here. He knew that Jesus was more than a man. He knew that he was something different. You look at the other criminal, look at the rest of verse 41. He said, but this man has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. He, he doesn't say, hey, this man has done more bad stuff. Oh, no, we've done more bad stuff than this guy has. He didn't say that. He, he didn't say, man, this guy's good works outweighs all the bad works. You know, it's a pretty decent guy. No, no. He recognized the fact that this man has done nothing ever wrong. And in this universe, there's only one person who has ever done everything perfectly. And that's the one who created it. He's God. God's the only perfect thing in the universe. And that's why only Jesus can save you. Because you need a perfect savior. Because you're imperfect to get into a perfect place called heaven. And here's what happened on the cross. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, when Jesus was on the cross, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is an amazing deal. This is what we call the great exchange, the great handoff. God says this. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take all the junk in Scott Blanchard's life, all of his pettiness, all of his ego, his jealousy, his anger, all of it, all of the thought that he thought of that was immoral, unkind, all the words that he said. And I'm going to take all of that 
and I'm going to put them on my son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is going to die on the cross so that God doesn't have to pay the penalty of sin. And at the same time, God said, I'm going to do a great change. I'm going to take the perfection of Jesus, and I'm going to cover Scott Blanchard with it so that I can let him come into heaven when he dies. The greatest change. God took my sin. I took his righteousness. And this is called grace. It's called grace. The only way you ever get into heaven. Only way. Bible said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say I am a good way, but I am the way, the only way. By accepting God's gift of grace and his son Jesus, we accept his grace. When you think about this, if there was another way, if there was another way to heaven, then why did Jesus die? Why, why would he go through the horrors of the cross if you think you can say, you know what, I can do it my way. I can find a different roadmap to heaven. I can earn my way. Then what was the point of Jesus dying if there was another way? But Jesus is the only way. And this man on the cross knew that this was something different about Jesus, that he was more than a man. He knew that he was, that he was God in the flesh, full of grace, full of truth would lead us to the fourth thought. He knew that only grace, he knew that only grace could save him. He knew that only grace. Again, I've been throwing that word grace around and there's different word pictures of grace, different ideas behind the word grace. Grace means God given you and me what we don't deserve. That's grace. Another idea of grace is God unmerited favor. We don't deserve God's favor, but he give it to us anyway. Uh, another idea of grace is the acrostic. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's something, us getting something for nothing. That's grace. And notice the criminal on the cross. He realized that grace can only save him at this point. In verse number 42, he looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knows that only grace can save him. He knows that he can't do anything at this point to save himself. He, he can't get down on the cross at this point and and. And, and do some charity work. You know, you can't go to church at this point and say, you know what, I got to go and be a good volunteer and, 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 and serve at the church. He knows he can't do that. He knows he can't give to the church. He can't become a member of a church. He, he can't do any of that. He can't even get baptized. And so, you know, in a few minutes, we're going to do baptism. And baptism is an awesome picture of what Jesus did in our lives. But baptism doesn't save a person. Because the thief on the cross, he's on the cross, and when they take him down, he's dead. There's no baptism. But he understood this. He understood that grace and Christ 
alone. You see, everybody else has wrote him off. Society has written him off. He can't come down. He's hanging on the cross, hopeless. He's hanging there, hopeless. There's nothing he can do. It's out of his control. We know what he does. He throws himself on the grace of God and says two words. Remember me. Remember me. I mean, that, that's got to be the shortest salvation prayer ever. Remember me. Notice a couple things here. This guy's not a theologian. Uh, he, he doesn't know all the fancy words and the theological words like atonement. He doesn't use the word atonement and propitiation. He doesn't use the word justification. He doesn't say redemption. He doesn't even know what that means probably. Uh, it's a little too late at the point on the cross to have a, a Bible doctrine seminary class. He doesn't know all these things. And in fact, when he's on the cross, he doesn't even say the words, I confess. He, he doesn't say the word, I believe. He doesn't say the word, I repent or I trust. He doesn't say the word, I receive. He doesn't do that. All he says, remember me. Remember me. And, and, and notice how Jesus responded. He said, today, today you'll be in paradise with me. And here's the point. It, it, it's not the word that matters. The direction of your heart. That's what matters. And I'm going to do it again in a few minutes. We're going to have a time of prayer, and I'm going to invite people that don't know Jesus to say a sinner's prayer. But I always say this, it's not the word that matters. The words is the expression of your heart, and I pray that the, it's your heart that counts. Your, your heart turning to Jesus. And this person on the cross turned his heart to Jesus. And, you know, God will take your childlike, simple faith, and that's enough. When I was seven years old, I asked Jesus to come to my heart, be my Lord and Savior. I didn't understand all these fancy words and theological words. I didn't understand that. I, I didn't know anything about, the, I didn't know what the virgin birth meant. I didn't even know what the word virgin means. <laughs> I was seven years old. I didn't know all that stuff. I had childlike faith. Gave my life to Christ. It's like, you know, I'm not an electrician. I don't know anything about electricity. And I don't want to know because I don't want to be that stupid guy. Okay? And I have a choice every time I come in the room. I can say, you know what? I, I, I'm going to sit in the dark, and I'm not going to turn the light on until I know everything about how it works. Or you could say, what? I, I know how to turn the light on, and I'm just going to flip the switch. I don't have to know it all, but I do know one thing. If I flip the switch, light comes on. The thief on the cross. He doesn't know it all, but he knew enough to flip the switch. He knew enough to flip the switch and said, Lord Jesus, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus said, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Truly, 
I tell you. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me forever. Let me go back to the assurance of salvation because it's so important. You're here today and say, man, I got saved before, but man, sometimes I just don't feel saved. Man, sometimes I don't feel like I have my salvation. I feel like I'm saved, but I haven't quite earned it to keep it. But see, salvation is grace. Remember, we don't earn it. It's a gift, right? And, and, and salvation is not based on feelings because my feelings come and go. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm a Christian. Sometimes my feelings, I don't feel so Christ-like. There are times I feel like I'm married. There are sometimes I don't feel quite so married. I, I'm married, though. I'm a Christian. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm a nut. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm a nut. Not so I can tell. We don't base decisions on our feelings. We don't do that. We, we base our assurance of salvation not on our feelings, not on our works, but on the promised word of God. And we know in God's word that when he comes into your life, he's there to stay. And, and, and the same grace that saves us is the same grace that keeps us in salvation. That's grace. And the Bible says that we can trust him. And Jesus looked at this man and said, I give you the assurance because I'm telling you the truth. You haven't lived a life. In fact, you're, you're giving me the last few seconds of your life. That's okay. Today, you're with me. You're with me. And if you're here today, you've been struggling with doubt. And you know that you've done it. You know you've asked Jesus Christ. I challenge you to walk in confidence. And if you still struggle with this, I say this to people. If you still struggle because life is too short and eternity is too long to just kind of second guess your way to heaven. So if you're not quite sure, I say, man, be sure. And, and, and settle the matter once and for all and come to Christ today and say, God, remember me. I want to become a Christian. I know where I stand. I'm a sinner. But I know that in Christ and Christ alone is all I need. Come to my life. I say settle the matter. Because I'd rather go into eternity 100% sure than to be ready for eternity maybe at 99%. I want to be sure of my salvation because eternity is way too long to, be, to make a mistake, to second guess my salvation. When can you do it? Well, I'll tell you what. The, the, the thief on the cross has to save by the minute. Saved by the last second prayer, and he did he get saved, he got saved. I wouldn't suggest you do that. Because we don't know when death is gonna happen. In fact, Paul says this in First Corinthians, he said, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. That word again, favor, unmerited favor, grace. In other words, Paul says, now is the time of God's grace. Today is the day of salvation. You see, God's not going to force you to accept him. He's not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to trust him. He's going to give you the choice. And the choice is yours and yours alone to make. Two thief on the cross. Two different responses. One of them rejected Christ. 
the other gave his heart to Jesus. He said, remember me. Those are the two options on the table. You either take Jesus or turn him away. And you say, well, Scott, I don't like those choices. I don't like those choices. I'm just not going to decide right now. And my friend, to not decide is to decide. Today. Today. It's the day of your salvation. He's waiting for you to call out, to call out with your heart, Jesus, remember me. Our Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you so for your beautiful story of salvation. We thank you that there is hope found in you and you alone. And God, there may be someone here that just don't have a relationship with you. They don't have that. They're not sure. They're not sure if they've ever asked you to come into their heart. And God, today, I pray that they make a choice. And that choice is not to turn you away, but the choice to turn to you and to cry out with our hearts, to cry out to come into our lives. And I bet the thing, you know, in a crowd like this, people in this room, I'd like to think that there may be someone here that you're in that chair, you're in this moment. You says, God, you're talking to me. And today, I need to make that choice. Because to, to not decide is to decide. And today, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to turn my heart to Jesus. I don't have all the answers. I don't get all of it. But today, you just said to flip the switch. And I'm ready to flip the switch. And that's Jesus in my life. I'm ready to do that. And if that's you this morning, here it is. I'm going to say a prayer. And you can say the words from the quietness of your heart. And again, like I said earlier, it's not the words that matters, but so much. It's more about what the heart is speaking. I'm just going to help you express what your heart might be crying out. Somewhere along, line, uh, somewhere along like this, you might pray a prayer like this. And you can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know what I deserve. I deserve death. I deserve hell, eternal separation from God. But today, I turn my heart to you. I see that you died on the cross for my sins. And because of, your, because of the sacrifice on the cross, because what you did on the cross, I can now be saved. So remember me. Come into my life. I'll be my Lord. I'll be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins, all my sins, the sins I've ever committed and the sins that I don't even know about yet. Salvation covers it all. Thank you. Today, I made a decision. Today, the day of my salvation. With no one looking around and says, Scott, today I made a decision. And I ask you to come to my life. 
me, my Lord and Savior. He said, God, that's me. I've never done that before. Today, I meant it with all of my heart. I ask you to come to my life. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I see one here. I see another hand back here. Anybody else? So I prayed. I asked you to come to my heart. Raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? I ask you to come to my life. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for about uh, for those that made a decision in Christ. Thank you for today. It's a day of your salvation. And we celebrate baptism for those who have done it. We celebrate the, the proclamation of their faith. We know that baptism doesn't save a person, but let the whole world know that I'm a Christian. That I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. So thankful for our salvation. And for those who have a relationship with God, God, I pray that no matter how we feel, help us to know, help us to walk in confidence that you and your promises are true, that you will keep it all the way to the very end. We have that assurance because of your word.